You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Lauren Cavell from Occupy here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. I'm the VP of Finance at Occupy and one of our in-house CPAs. I'm your host for all things lease accounting. If you enjoy our show, make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com to nominate a future Fully Occupied Podcast guest ask us a question, or just say hi. We have a special episode today. I am here with Ty Cotter, the Collaborative Vice President of Embark. Welcome, Ty. Thank you so much. I'm curious what makes this one special other than the other episodes, but I'll leave it with that. You're the special part of today, Ty. You are. I appreciate it. Okay, okay. And the other thing we have to celebrate today is we are excited to announce the Occupier and Embark partnership. I am very excited about that, actually. So I will clap. I will applaud that one. Yes, and excited. the crowd goes wild. I can't believe wow. you and your team have been great partners and advisors to us since 2020 when we started building the Lisa County module way back when to fast forward to today and we've been helping customers transition to 842 together and we just decided to solidify our relationship with a formal partnership that combines the strengths of both of our organizations so it has been a ride yeah i think it's funny because i specifically remember getting on a phone call with andrew and matt literally march of 20 right before the covid shutdowns started so very funny and surreal to, to think of all that has happened in that timeline. So oh I'm very excited that it be partnered up with our occupier. It's been fun helping the existing clients that we've helped into the system and just being a part of that journey. So yeah. very excited that it's now formal. Right. And it's only the beginning, right? So before we dive into the main topic today of AC 842, I'd love to have you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I keep it short and sweet, but I'll, I'll draw it out a little bit for this one. So I'm in our Dallas office here at Embark. So Embark, we're a finance and accounting advisory firm, help clients out with technical accounting. So kind of three three different groups, though. Uh, our FAS practice, which includes technical accounting. Second group is transaction services. So buy side, sell side due diligence, quality of earnings, valuations, pre-IPO, capital market stuff. And then the third group is finance transformation which can mean so many different things. I just kind of leave it at how do people process and technologies meet? So um, Occupier is very interesting and unique because it's quasi FAS, quasi finance transformation because of the 842 complexities. But I uh, started my career at Deloitte as an, in the audit practice, uh, very, not quickly, but realized that uh, that's not where I wanted to be long-term. Had a bunch of buddies that had already jumped over to Embark, my twin brother being one of them, and uh, heard how great it was, so hopped over and then Immediately went back out to help my main audit client for a year and a half. Um, oh and in that gosh. time, just <laughs> picked picked up. It was fun. I, I still enjoy talking to him, and I still work with him today. But uh, in that time, 842 of kind of when I left college, 606 and 842 were very hot and heavy. And so by just the age of who I was, it was like, hey, you should probably learn 842. 
I did, and then I ended up helping about uh, 40 to 50 clients adopt the standard, both public and private. And then uh, just about a year ago, switched over more to our growth side of the business instead of just the consulting side. So that's a very high level about me. Yes. Oh my gosh. So you, I would consider an expert in all things 842. I think you earn that badge of honor just by doing, they say, if you do one thing, you become experienced in it. If you do it twice, you become an expert. So doing it 40, 50 times. <laughs> I think, I think it's just nice that uh, 30 to 40 people let me fail miserably uh, so that I got to learn it along the way. So very grateful because the clients that I got to help out with um, got to learn a new problem every time and definitely failed a couple times, um, but it was all stuff that had very light landings and so they weren't huge failures. So getting to uh, compound that into knowing a standard that I still get wrong occasionally. So expert or not, I just, I've enjoyed learning it and I've always enjoyed real estate, which honestly is I think why I got so invested in occupiers. Uh, my wife is a designer. I just love real estate. I don't know what it is. Um, and so just getting to see a product that was geared more towards real estate clientele and then seeing how it's shifted to be able to serve any, any type of industry has been really fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, Let's dive into our podcast topic of the day, AC842 Implementation Best Practices. Of course, there's a ton to unpack here. As you mentioned, you learn something new on every single implementation, so we're not going to cover everything in 20 minutes, but hey, we will we'll try our best to give a high-level overview and do 842 justice. So, of all of those implementations, what do you think is the biggest challenge with implementing ASC842? Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge is that it's not just an accounting problem. So the guidance itself, it can be fairly complex in a lot of areas. But at the end of the day, I would say like 80 to 100% of clients fall into this range if they all have a fraction of real estate contracts and then some equipment contracts and then some potentially embedded leases, typically in IT. Like there's not like, yes, there's nuances and there's niche industries that have weird specifics, but like 80 to 80 to 100% fall in the same kind of category. Of, of clients. And so what really gets tricky, though, is that 842 requires a bunch of different information from across the organization. So you've got your your stereotypical, I call them stereotypical, but your old leases under 840, which frankly, most people, again, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here, so forgive me. This is where I try to leave the technical speak at the door. But um, generally speaking, most everybody just kind of said, hey, our, our real estate is operating leases. Um, Obviously, that's not acceptable under GAAP, but that's what most people did. Our equipment's most likely operating leases unless there's a purchase option. And that's kind of how they went about it. And so there was a lot of stuff that, like, basically you would request data inputs at the end of the year when you were doing financials for that one footnote disclosure, but no one was keeping up with it on an ongoing basis. And so I think what people have really learned from 842, because it's now all of your operating leases are on the balance sheet, require, you know, potential remeasurement events, that sort of thing. They're realizing very quickly that it could become a material number very quickly. Um, and there's a huge room for error. And so it's not just an accounting equation, because you've also got to make sure that you're talking to procurement, legal, real estate, operations, depending, IT, especially for embedded leases. Um, and so really the hardest part is just gathering all the data and making sure that you're bringing in everybody to the conversation that you need to bring in. I think that's probably the biggest pain point is a lot of accountants take this project on all by themselves and don't realize necessarily that like, hey, we should push back on our operations or our, um, you know, just some of the other departments to start doing some of this work for us because it shouldn't all just fall on us. Um, that's 
typically doesn't end well and leaves a lot of room for error. So I've talked for a long yeah. time and I, I I'll leave it at that. I think it's, it's a data <laughs> issue and just pulling the right people in. I agree. That's one of the reasons why I actually like leases so much because you can't just work in silos because it truly does impact so many different roles at the organization. You really got to gather in a lot of folks and get details, get process improvements. And so if you like to talk to a lot of people, getting involved in leases and A42 transition process is a good way to meet people at the org. It definitely is. And that's actually where I, I liked it because I the first client I did it for was a hospitality client. And I just like this is very nerdy, but I liked looking at contracts and I liked looking at leases. Um, they're interesting and unique and everybody writes them a little bit different. And so mm -hmm. seeing it, especially on real estate. Um, but yeah, that's a another story. So yeah, definitely. So from the 40 to 50 implementations that you have seen, who is typically involved in the implementation process? Yeah, that's a great question. So always the accounting team. And then from there, it really depends on how large the organization is. So for larger organizations, we've had standing meetings with like 30 people. Um, those who are paying to try and schedule, not fun. I don't <laughs> recommend it. Um, but so it could be as definitely typically always IT is involved in the conversation. More so from a um, from understanding what kind of contracts they see. Are they a capital IT department or are they more of a, a long-term service agreement kind of department? Um, then it could also include procurement to discuss any other contracts. We definitely always try to talk to at least one person in AP just simply because they see a lot of the invoices going out. Um, and so if they see anything that we might not be aware of, legal is always involved to some extent just in case they kind of maintain all the contracts. So it really just depends. I, again, it goes back to how large your organization is and then how flat of a leadership structure it is because mm -hmm. that's definitely going to dictate who we pull in. Um, had yeah. had conversations with marketing in the past and procurement. So just depends really on the size. Yeah, definitely. And outside of just trying to align everyone's calendars, how do you align everyone with this 842 implementation considering there's going to be a lot of different seniorities there. There's going to be a lot of different departments there. How do you make sure that everyone is aligned or like what's the best way to do that? Yeah. I think it's using non-accounting terms. So like when we try to describe what lease, what 842 is to other departments, it's best to just simplify what you're talking about. So instead of using like, well, we're looking for embedded leases, what those typically <laughs> constitute, constitute are service contracts that include the right of use and control, blah, blah, blah. Like avoiding using language like that and just keeping it as simple as possible. Like, hey, do we have any long-term service agreements? Okay, great. We've got a large base. And then from there, narrowing it down using like embedded lease questions or, you know, if you've got any leases, like do we have any short-term leases that, you know, maybe in the past you guys haven't sent over to accounting? Just trying to, to not dumb it down, but get it to the lowest level possible. And then you take a lot of volume of information. And then from there, you're the ones to decide whether or not, and I say you, you I mean the accounting team are the ones right. to decide whether or not this is a lease. So if someone says, if they even just kind of say like, hey, I think we might have something like that, great. Just request the contract and then you can decide from there. So definitely getting it to the lowest level possible. And then also, I think it's just like any organization, like there are a lot of people in high power places that may not necessarily have the greatest understanding of what leases they're currently involved in. So really getting it to the levels and even frankly, even like just talking to some of the people on the administrative side of the business of like, are they aware of any contracts that they are requested to put the CEO's or CFO's signature on on a pretty regular basis? So 
that's kind of how I like to think about it when helping clients. Yeah. So basically make sure that you're speaking the same language that everyone can understand, not just the accounting jargon that us CPAs and accounting teams know. That's correct. Strongly agree with that. <laughs> the biggest point of advice. So what are some questions that companies should keep in mind when developing their implementation plan? Yeah. So I think the, the biggest questions to kind of think through are, what are we aware of under 840 that we know for a fact? And when I say 840, the old lease standard, right? What are we currently aware of that we know is going to have heavy implications upon adoption? What do we know is upcoming that we may not have ever had in the past, but we know we're going to have now? We really need to think critically about from an 842 perspective. But then also, just as important as the first bucket of, okay, we now have this idea of embedded leases. They're much more common under 842 to find what are we going to do for our current population of contracts? Again, I'm not using the word lease, but contracts mm -hmm. to determine whether or not this is a lease under 842. So I think those are the questions that people start by asking of aggregating data of what do we know, what do we think we don't know, and then how do we go about trying to find the stuff that we don't know? So starting with, do we have the people in place to kind of find the, find the stuff? What do our current processes look like to maintain this information? And then in the past, have we implemented any technology to um, keep this all organized, or is that something that we're going to need to do in a future state of getting technology? I love that. Starting with what you know and then filling the gaps of what you don't know, it's always easy to start with, I guess, the yeah. foundation, what you guys have, and then go from there. I think it's a really great way to approach it. So shifting gears just a tad, what excites you about the Embark and Occupier Partnership? What, I mean, for me personally, like I said, I've always loved real estate. And so knowing that Occupier started as a fintech technology that was really aimed towards both tenants and then also broker dealers um, on that side of the business, it's really cool to see how it's shifted to now serve a, a multitude of clients and just real estate teams in general, but now helping, like I've said, all the other groups in the organization. So currently working with clients that we've had to, that are using Occupier that now we're needing to pull in, okay, do we have the accounting team involved because we want to use this lease accounting bolt-on or whatever it is, um, or even now lease accounting teams that start knowing as, knowing Occupy as a lease accounting tool and now other departments and other areas in the business asking, wait, how can I use this? How can the real estate team use this? How can procurement use this? How can uh, legal use this, et cetera? So I think it's really seeing the type of clients that Occupier gets to work with are very tech forward, and that's what's been really, really fun for us, especially on the consulting side. And like the way, you know, our finance transformation practice is built, it's built around people, processes, technology, and then back to people. Because if you don't focus on people, none of the other stuff really matters. And so it's been really fun, frankly, to work with you, Lauren, as well as Eric, Nyasha, uh, Lee, all the, all the team members at Occupier, um, just from a from a actual solving clients' problems perspective, but then working together to just, just help people use the software. So that's what I'm most excited about is just the team is very, very similar. Andrew and Matt and Eric have built something out that's really, really cool um, and very, very similar to Embark from a cultural perspective. So that's been a lot of fun to see as it's grown over the years. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. I hear 100% what you're saying about the culture fit too. And I would have to agree with that. We just plug and play it in so nicely that 
know, whenever we are lucky enough to leverage Embark with whatever product suite we're providing our customers, it always feels like Embark is such an extension to just our normal yeah. offering. It's just such a perfect mesh. Yeah, that's what we enjoy too. In your opinion, what makes Occupier different from the other lease accounting providers? I would say what makes Occupier different is that it's got functionality across organizations very well. So a lot of the lease accounting softwares, they're really only focused on can this do lease accounting well? Um, and it's really just a means to an end for the technical accounting you know, piece that is 842. Where Occupier, um, it started a little bit differently and so therefore has uses across the organization. Um, but then they've, you guys have perfected Occupier's lease accounting so much that, to like my point earlier, that there are clients that just know Occupier as their lease accounting technology and don't, maybe don't necessarily realize that it's got the fullest potential to other areas of the business. So I think for us specifically at Embark, we're always looking for tools and technologies that solve multiple problems within a, the finance organization, but then can also be used across the business. So knowing that you know Occupier has uses to the real estate team, um, to the legal team, and other areas of the business, and it's not just simply an accounting tool, I think that's what where Occupier has a huge leg up. The other piece of it too is like a lot of the older systems are are very clunky and frankly are not fun to look at. They're very ugly actually, um, and so Occupier <laughs> is fun because you go into it and it's a very sleek technology. It's very intuitive. So I think that's I think aesthetically it's it's great. And then also the technology behind it, right? Like it's a newer technology, and so it's built within the last couple of years and then been worked up and gotten past SOC audits and everything. So it's, it's trustworthy, but it's just using technology that a lot of the other softwares can't use because they're built on platforms from the early 2000s and they haven't been able to catch up and re-implement. So I think those are the biggest differences that I see in Occupier that, that make them better and easier to use. Gosh, I love that. You are touching on basically the two main reasons why I joined the Occupier team, that everyone can collaborate truly under one solution and then the ease of use of it. For sure. Very sleek compared to some others. Yeah. All right, to finish us out, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Oof, I'm afraid I'm gonna get stumped, but yes, I'm ready for it. <laughs> Don't worry, they're not related to 842. Can oh, you imagine? Okay. Okay. That would, that would, <laughs> but if, I mean, this, this is a quiz. <laughs> I would I would hop out very quickly, yes, yeah. Yeah, you're like, actually, my internet went out. <laughs> yeah, see you later. Uh, all right, Chelsea or Manchester United? That one's easy, Manchester United. I played college soccer, I was a D3 bench warmer. But growing up, I got to watch the class of 92, and my older brother was a Man U fan. <laughs> so I've always loved Man U. So easy, easy Man U every day. Nice. All right. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I got to go chocolate chip cookie dough. That's a, it's a trusted and true one. Definitely chocolate chip cookie dough. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Same with me. All right. Good. Uh, are you an early bird or a night owl? I, uh, I'm probably a night owl that wishes they were an early bird. Very much struggling these days to get up early and go to the gym. Really wish I could get a good routine where I'm getting up early, but I would say probably a night owl. But if I if there's enough motivation, I will get up early. Mm, all right. When you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? 
Uh, I love to travel. So even this weekend, just got back from a trip down to Austin later this month, going to Punta Cana. Um, but we, I love national parks and I love seeing the world. So definitely traveling. My wife and I's baby moon for our, our first daughter. We uh, did a just a almost a month long national park trip to the West. So definitely traveling. Oh my yeah. gosh, she's that's a trooper. Amazing. She's a champ. That's a great yeah. baby moon. Yeah. We yeah. Right. Uh, what What was your favorite national park that you went to? I mean, it was, that one's hard because we did Canyonlands, Arches. Excuse me, that was our honeymoon. Sorry. Nice little humble brag there. Uh, we did Glacier, Yellowstone, <laughs> uh, Tetons, Teddy Roosevelt's, and Badlands. I think I've got to go with the crown jewel, which is Yellowstone. But that one's not even really fair because it's like six parks in one. So Yellowstone. But then right. I also love, I love yeah. Badlands just because it's a very interesting topography. So I'll go those two. Yeah. Yeah, all of the I've been to all of those except Glacier, and yeah, you can't go wrong with all of those. No, yeah. Uh, okay, what always makes you laugh? Man, I have to say my identical twin brother, Luke. So we've had a fun journey <laughs> where we both obviously went to high school together, but then both ended up at the same university, both played college soccer, both graduated with the same degrees, both worked at Deloitte, and now work at Embark. And he's actually my next door neighbor. So um, on paper and in reality, he and I are very close. So I'd have to say Luke. Luke probably always makes me laugh. That or Office Space. That's the one movie if I see it on an in-flight option, I watch Office Space every time. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I need to meet Luke one day so that I can truly be holy. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think there's a rumor that, like, if you know Luke, then you'd never know me. And if you know me, you don't really know Luke. So, like, there's, like, do, is there just really one of us kind of masquerading as two people? It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. All right. I'll have to dig into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last question is, who do you think we should invite on the podcast next? Luka Doncic. You get him. I'd go with Luca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, and already I would I would actually love he was he's no longer an occupier. I, I would love Nyasha because that guy is low key the most interesting man in the world, and he never shared it with me until he was gone. So I never knew all the cool facts about him that I'm not going to ruin just in case you do ever get him on the podcast. So oh I would my say gosh. Nyasha for uh, sure. He's amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. Alrighty. Thank you for being such a trooper. I hope you feel better. Have a good one.